I almost I almost think of it as like I feel like I've changed a lot of my defaults. Mm. Those defaults that I got from growing up, my childhood, my upbringing, uh, people, all this stuff. I feel like I've changed some of those defaults. And so now it's more it strikes me more when I have an upset moment. I'm like, oh, man, what am I what's going on? Why am I why am I frustrated by this? Whereas it used to be the other way. It was like, okay, now how do I find gratitude this moment? How do I be joyful? How do I be present? Right. I had to kind of force it, but I feel like now that's the default that just is. And now the kind of the, the rule versus the exception right now, those that's the rule. And the exception is like, man, I'm, why am I, why am I, why am I grumpy right now? Like, why am I being mean with the kids? Like what's going on? Like, do I just need to take a minute. Do I need to take a, like, those are the more infrequent moments now. I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin McDonald. Thank you for joining me for what is episode 136 with Alex Barrera. I came across Alex on Twitter uh, about a month ago, or maybe a little bit longer. Not exactly 100% sure, but he is a guy who stood out to me in more ways than one. He is a father of three, podcaster, YouTuber, and overall just someone looking to improve his life and in this conversation we talked about all of that how he coped and survived as a young child how instead of backing away he now tends to run toward as well as the importance in aligning your actions with your vision we also talk about having grace in all the things that you do which is an important point and one that i certainly wasn't expecting from him but it came up again later in the day that I recorded this. So very grateful for that and all that we discussed. If you enjoyed this conversation, I really hope that you would love enough to share it with a family member or friend, someone you think will get some really you know, big value out of it. That's why I do this and that's why I continue to show up week after week. So I would love you to do so. All the links that Alex and I spoke about are in the show notes. So without further ado, here is Alex Barrera. Enjoy. Alex Barrera, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thanks for having me, Ren. I'm excited to uh, to be here with you. Mate, I'm excited to have you on the call. Thank you for your patience. It's been a good start to my day recording here just after 7 a.m., local time in Melbourne, Australia. Could you let the listeners know where you're tuning in from and time of day for you, brother? Yeah, you were just getting the day started. Uh, yeah, I'm over here in Houston, Texas, the Lone Star State. It's uh, just after four o'clock here. We're, we're, in the, we're in the afternoon of the day here in Texas. Beautiful. Yeah, I just released uh, an episode overnight with a guy from, or based in Austin, Texas. So clearly have a thing for for the state of Texas. I was there last year, <laughs> Ironman Waco, for people who listen regularly will know that. But uh, yeah, man, super glad to be joining you today. I came across you on Twitter, I think a couple of months back now, and just loved the stuff that you were putting out into the world. And so wanted to have you on, you know, a conversation. I know a little bit about you, father, husband, 
you do your own podcast as well. You've got the full mic in front here now, Men of Conviction. I'm not exactly sure how many episodes, but I've, I've listened to a couple. So I would just love to know, before we get into all of that, what your sort of origin story is. I, I'd love to know, you know, what maybe you, you tell people if you're at a dinner party, maybe you don't go into full detail because we've got more time here today, obviously, <laughs> on a podcast. But yeah, beyond the, the dinner party chat, it's like, cool, who is Alex Barrera? So if you could maybe start with your earliest memory, Alex, and bring us forward to the present day, as I mentioned, we're recording this late June, 2023. Wherever, wherever that first memory lands, man, bring us forward, touching on a few key points. Ren, I heard your earliest memory question in in some of your other podcasts, and I was I was like, man, maybe he'll forget that question for our podcast, and we can <laughs> we can skip to more more recent times. It's interesting though when when I heard you ask that, I thought about it's almost like what do you what do you tell people your earliest memory is versus like what is your actual earliest memory, <laughs> you know? And and I, I honest I don't know that I've ever asked myself that question, you know. But I have like the canned response of like, oh yeah, I remember learning to ride a bike and remember you know my friends in school and da, da 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 but we're talking origin story and i think that the real earliest memory plays a part in that so i remember i remember being pretty small i lived with my mom in an apartment i was just me and her and i remember that i would go to she worked at a, a donut shop here in texas we have shipley donuts which is really popular she worked there so i would go with her every day to work so I remember like sitting, I just sit at a counter from like 5 a.m. to noon. I would just sit at, a, you know, I'd either sit at a table if they were empty or I'd go sit like behind behind the counter, just sit on a stool if it was busy. I remember those mornings. I remember that, I remember I was about about five. My mom, my mom had a, essentially a regular customer at Shipley Donuts that was a, an older lady and she so oh, let me help you with, you know, taking care of your, your son. And so she ends up babysitting me a few times, ends up essentially adopting me. And so I go to live with her. I remember those memories of like, I live somewhere else now and like I'm leaving the the place I knew to be. And I knew, you know, I'm like, I don't see my mom very much. I remember those memories. So mm. you go to origin story. Those are, those are the core memories. Those are the ones that are really buried down deep inside of, of the earliest things I remember is this when you boil it down to a, a lot of unknowns, a lot of, you know, instability in a sense. Yeah, so you adopted then at five. I read your your pin tweet that you have on Twitter, which is yeah, mentions mentioned that. But but bring me forward. So raised by that adopted family, what was life like? And and yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, in in the moment, I mean, it just is what it is. It just it just was. That's that was the life, and that's what I did, and that's where I was, and relationship with my mom was very very distant very very strained you know I would I didn't see her much well I don't I don't mean to say that in a negative way to her life but you know I'd, I'd see her like it was every few weeks and then it was every few months and then it was you know maybe I didn't see her for a year or six months or whatever but yeah so I grew up with this this adoptive family since I call them my grandparents and um, you know through elementary school through middle school through high school you know went off to college and it just it just was what it was and nothing really nothing really felt impactful until I had my own kids mm. and then having my kids and then fe- almost feeling like I didn't have any in 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 everything we do in life we have our defaults you know everything that we've learned from 
exposure from teaching from modeling whatever it is we have our default and so i get to have my kids and my default parenting my default fatherhood husband all that was was way out of out of line and so then i started like then i'm starting to evaluate like well what was all that going on you know like what did all that set me up for and you know i started to to kind of not pick apart my life, but in a sense, you know, like what kind of, what kind of person does a childhood like that create? And that's the interesting part to me is that there's no one path for people Mm. because my, my life story with somebody else in its place would produce a different person for better or worse. I mean, that's a, you can't measure that. It just is. I mean, you know, that would produce a different person than it produced with me in that role because we're still born with a certain innateness to us Mm -hmm. certain personality traits certain things that we do to cope and adjust and 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 make do and so so anyway i'm not i'm just looking at that life story from this point backwards it feels a lot different than it did in the moment the moment it just was and now it's like man like what did five-year-old alex do to cope with like not seeing his mom every day anymore and not having a dad and being in a new home and being with new people and doing all these things, you know, like he, he coped, but what, what was the result of that in a sense? Mm. Thank you for sharing that, man. I, I agree. And, and that's why I do this. I want to learn from others to hopefully help others help myself as well. That person that you say, you know, no one path for, you know, everyone or everyone's on a different path essentially the the person that it produced though because we couldn't come to talk about it i, I want to know how you came to to be on twitter and you're sharing what initially started as like a every every day update of 90 days is now turned into the infinite symbol you know never going to stop updating which is great just like on the path of you know constantly doing things never missing a day or you know two days i should say so but that person that it produced i'd love to nail in on what was that person that it produced and then the person i guess that you're becoming now yeah yeah the person that produced wasn't the wasn't the guy that's uh that's around the twitter world these days the the person (laughs) that produced was a was a lot more complacent a lot more apathetic a lot more going going with the flow and so that so what changed for me the the kind of fork in the road kind of the the canon event right what happened to me was i had kids started having kids my first my first kids born my son and the infancy stuff is in a sense easy relatively you change diapers and you make bottles and you rock a crying baby and you're up at three in the morning like it just is it's almost it's almost like tasks it's just these things you need to do as long as you find gratitude in those moments, you find gratitude for your baby wanting you at three o'clock in the morning. You find gratitude for being able to, you know, make your wife a snack when she gets up at at midnight for for a feeding session. You find gratitude in those moments. You can you can basically make it. You know, we've all been tired. We've all pulled the all nighters for an exam or a, a test or a project or whatever. We've done all that, and so you you can do it. But then when my son hit like one and a half, two ish, then you get into more parenting you get into the role of discipline and guidance and you know correcting behavior and and all those things and i didn't do very well at that i spent a lot of time frustrated angry you know i would i didn't know how to deal with those like i'm not a deal with a kid 
that doesn't doesn't listen right and it's like well that's what kids do they don't they, they don't know they're supposed to listen they're just kids they're just being them they're not a deal with that so there was a lot of there was a, there was some turmoil there turmoil there with my wife and I around parenting you know she was reading the books and doing the stuff and she's like hey you need to do this stuff I'm like it's fine I'll just figure it out hmm. and then kid number two happens kid number two is probably two or three months old kid one's now three and I was working a lot I was in a sales role working you know 10 12 hour days you know with the 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 reason of providing right i gotta provide my wife's staying at home i gotta bring in more money i gotta make more money i gotta do this stuff so i'm at work all the time you know with i mean with baby number two i was i think i took like the day she was born and the day after off work and then i was back at the office you know and so anyway so daughter's about three months old and my wife's like hey like like i'm by myself basically you know and like like we need more from you like this family needs more from you i need more from you and i'm i mean kind of lost it i was like what are you talking about like because i'm looking at what i came from and i'm like you know so to elaborate slightly so yeah my that twitter post kind of gives a little more information on it so mm. when i was born my mom my mom had me she wasn't married the guy that my dad he was married so not to her so my wife's my, not my wife my mom's family kicks her out because she gets pregnant she's not married she's young they're like out of the house which like doesn't make any sense right she needs help and you're gonna kick her out so they kick her out and then when i was about six months old my dad dies which that's already super strained because he's got a whole family you know he's married with wife kids and all that so i mean what kind of relationship was that to begin with so you know i knew these things and and you know to be adopted and then grow up in an adopted family so then i'm looking at my wife and i'm like our kids have everything right like they got mom they got dad they got a house like we can pay our bills like we're not like they have everything. What do you mean you need more? And she kind of left it at that. She's like, I like, we just, we need more. And I know that you can figure out what that means around the house and around tasks and chores and things to do. Like you can figure that out. Like she's like, but whatever we're on, the path we're on now doesn't work, mm -hmm. you know? So that was the Alex that that produced. That's where I, that's where that put me. That put me on that path to be in this, in this mode of distraction, of complacency, of, you know, we'll just see what happens, you know, kind of day, day by day. And, you know, I, I thank God that he gave me the the wisdom to kind of hear that, mm -hmm. you know, to hear it and listen and be like, okay, it's like, what do I do? And so I talked to, a I talked to the pastors at our church, you know, I found a counselor, I talked to a counselor, talked to my wife more. I talked to other people. I just started talking more about like, what's all this stuff. And, you know, we start going down this path and what I, what, you know, in my infinite wisdom, I go to the counselor and I'm like, Hey man, like, you know, my wife and I are having some, some problems. We're struggling. We're kind of arguing a lot. I was like, I think I just need to get better at my job. And then that'll fix everything else. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, I just have a lot of anxiety around work and da da da. So I just, if I can fix that, then everything else will take care of itself. I think he's like, yeah, okay, let's talk about it. And so he, he followed me on that path. You know, he's like, yeah, tell me about work and what bothers you and da da da. And we worked through some, some tools and then, well, so tell me about your childhood. I'm like, oh no, nah, man, I'm just here to I'm just here to fix my my anxiety around work. Let's let's not worry about the rest of it, you know. But being a professional, being good at what he does, he's like, just tell me what you know. Tell me your origin story in a sense, kind of like you're doing. He's like, tell it to me. And so I started explaining these things to him, and I tell him the story, and I tell him all this stuff, and and he tells me because my at this point, you know, this is that was right when COVID hit, so it, kind of a delay between like seeking help and then actually being able to like go to offices and do all that. So. 
at this point, my son's like four, four and a half. It's been about a year. And he asked me, he's like, what would happen to your son if he never knew when he was going to, if he never knew when he was going to see you or his mom again? And like that, I like, blew my mind. Mm. So I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I, I mean, I'd imagine that would be terrifying if he didn't know when he was going to see mom and dad again. And so then his counselor is like, if you can see your son would struggle with that, look back at five-year-old Alex and imagine how he had to deal, what he had to deal with, what he was going through, what his mind would be adjusting to. And what we kind of, I don't know, settled on. I learned what he told me. I don't know what the right word is, but it came down to, we had, we all cope. We all make do with what we have, right? Humans, like the, the, the ultimate characteristic of a human is that we survive. You know, we always make it through. We keep going. And so what I learned is that in those moments, I, I adapted. And my adaption, my adaptation was was probably, basically, almost what it produced was a person that stopped wanting for things. Because mm. if you never know what you're going to get and you, and you start wanting for things you can't have, you're going to be disappointed. So what are you going to do? You adjust. So I just stopped wanting. And so... All this time in school, through college, through jobs. And I always wonder, like, why wasn't I ever, like, ambitious towards something? It's because I was just adapting. I was just, it's one day at a time. Literally, like, what's tomorrow going to bring? I'm going to have no expectations of it. So whatever it is, it is. But when you're in a marriage, when you're a parent, when you're trying to set an example, you have to have some sort of ambition. You have to have something that you are trying to be the best version of yourself in or the example you set is another example of apathy and complacency. And so that when I, when essentially when he like showed that to me, I was like, Oh, so now I get to choose what I do in my life. Mm. I get to choose what life I want to live. And so I started chasing stuff. I started chasing a relationship with my wife. I started chasing a relationship with my kids. I started chasing physical fitness. I started chasing just being better every day. What can I do every day to be a little bit better? You know, and what I've realized recently, I ran a I ran a sprint triathlon last year in October, and that was a huge like physical achievement for someone that was you know three hundred plus pounds. I was I mean I think I was like three twenty when I ran that. I'd lost a little bit of weight. Um, wow. I was in the in the water. It was open water swim. I'm in the water, and like people are getting pulled out left and right. They're like, "Yeah, I'm done." Like, I mean, it was really choppy. They actually delayed the start because the water was so choppy and it was still too dark. So, like, yeah, it's not safe. So, I mean, it was the raw water was rough, and I couldn't I couldn't swim without getting a wave in the face. I just I couldn't figure it out. I was just not. I'm you know I wasn't that well prepared for it. I'm you know I'm a big guy. I practiced that much. I just thought I so see what happens anyway. And I'm looking at all these people getting pulled out of the water, and I was like man, should I get out of the water? Like, am I supposed to be like scared right now? And I was like, no, I'll be fine. Let's keep going. Just, you know, just do a little bit more at a time. Just next step, next step, next step. Right. I did that through the swim. I did that on the bike. I did that on the run. Just take one more step. I kept going. And I got in my car after, and I pulled out my phone, pulled the Bible app. And I just typed in the search bar, typed in fear. Cause that's what I kept thinking of. Like, why am I, why was I not scared of this? Like, I'm not prepared for this. I'm not equipped for this. Like you can very easily you know, drop into the ocean and, and drown. Like, why wasn't I working? So I type in fear. First thing that pops up was a, a verse from second Timothy. It says, for God gives us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And it was almost like watching a movie. You know, when you get to that, 
that uh surprise ending that twist ending at the at the end of the movie and they go replay all the scenes that little <laughs> extra piece you didn't see that's what it felt like i'm sitting in my truck and it was like all this stuff replayed and i started seeing the stuff with my wife and my kids and my my health and all this stuff i started seeing it all and i realized at a certain point i was i was so stuck running from all the things i was scared of right i was scared of not re- i was scared of repeating the life that i had for my kids i was scared of repeating the the you know the absent father was scared of repeating you know a broken home was scared of repeating all these things but you can only run from fear for so long mm. at some point that motivation that comes from fear is going to wear out mm. because it's not when it doesn't come true when you when you run away from a spider because you're scared of it you're not got some crazy spiders there in australia i don't i would might never visit because <laughs> of spiders like you walk out your door you see a giant spider and you run away how long are you going to run for at some point, you know that spider is not going to eat you, right? You got away. You got far enough away. Mm. And so I was I was in that mode. I was running away from these things I was scared of, but that doesn't that doesn't really push you towards anything. And so I re- that's what clicked for me is what I'd been what I finally figured out was how do you start running towards the things you want? So defi- like, I started defining the life I wanted and then started chasing after it because every single day you can run towards something, right? What can I do to get a little bit better for this? Because like this year... I'm running Waco, 70.3 in Waco, but that's something to run towards. Like every day when I get up, I'm like, what's my workout for today? Cause I got to get a little bit better for this thing coming up. Right. So when I talk to my kids, it's like, what can I do to have a bigger connection with my kids today? Because I'm working towards a relationship I want with them forever. I want to, I get to talk to my wife because I want to have a relationship with my wife that lasts forever. So now I'm chasing these things that I want for my life, as opposed to running away from these things that I was so scared of mm. from that origin story. So, I mean, that's a long answer to your question, Ren. So to To, sum it up, to sum it up, what, 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 what product did that childhood produce? It produced a person that was unmotivated, complacent, apathetic, and didn't know where he was going to end up. Mm. And through a lot of work, personal development, growth, conversations, counseling, all these things, I'm working towards building a man that runs towards the purpose and, and passion that he has for this life. Thank you, Alex, mate. I appreciate all of that long answer, but it's what we're here to, to have a conversation about you, your life. I don't even know how old you are, but you know, you can only really go so deep on a 60 to 90 minute conversation on a podcast, however long this ends up being. But that's why I want to do these things. It is to go deep. We could go surface level on 10 different things or we go deep on a couple. And I really appreciate you sharing that, mate. There's clearly a few points there that were big changes in your life. I think you mentioned talking to the pastor in your church, but also when your wife after baby number two is like, yo, we need more from you. And you're just like, what the fuck? basically yeah. i don't think i don't yeah, think he swore i don't think he swore but that's my interpretation of that moment is just like what do you mean like i'm giving everything i'm at work all the time i'm not seeing the kids maybe if you could go deeper on that point could you really give people a clear picture of the alex barrera of that moment you mentioned being 320 pounds 
well, I was 350 pounds at that point. Right. So this is around, if my timeline is correct, you sort of said your, this was around just before COVID. So maybe three odd years ago, three and a half years ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, could you go back and, and just share a bit more of the Alex at that time? And then I'll, I'll give you another question wherever that leads. Yeah. So that was, yeah. My daughter was born in 20, she's four. She was born in 2019. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was right into 2020. So it was right when, you know, well, so that basically that was, that was pre COVID that was, so that was 2020. So like basically, yeah. Then getting into, yeah, I guess that was when it, when it started, huh? Yeah. yeah I mean, not as, not as hectic time. as it got, but yeah, the, the technical start, I think was around March, 2020. Yeah. Something like that. When it was released. But yeah. The, the, <laughs> we could, yeah, we could obviously drill down dates, but that's not the important part. But no. the Alex of that moment, the Alex that, that walked in and got, which, you know, my wife is a very, she's very quiet. She's very not, not passive in a sense of like getting run over, but she doesn't like conflict. You know, she doesn't, she's not trying to go instigate, you know, drama with people. And so for her to, to step up and be like, Hey, like something's not working here. Like that was a big deal. So yeah, the Alex at that time was severely overweight, was not exercising, not eating right. Well, I mean, I guess I can tell you what I was doing. Right? I was sitting on the couch a lot. I was watching a lot of TV. I was eating a lot of fast food, eating a lot of fried food. I was a very angry, frustrated parent. I was a very non-conversational spouse. I was a very non, non-involved member of the household. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of things that I was, I was chipping in to help out with and get done. And, and really what, what I, what I understand now is that because parenting was so foreign to me, because my default was so anxiety causing, because the defaults were so angry and frustrated, I de- defaulted to what I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, we always default to what's easier. And as crazy as it is, I think that most men out there, myself included, work is easier. Work has a lot of rules that we understand. We've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us started working when we we're 14, 15, 16 years old. We've been doing it for, a long time and you know the rules you you go to work and you do your job and you get a paycheck and you get raises and promotions and you you do all the stuff you're supposed to do at work and it has nice nice easy rules to follow and no one's really going to yell at you that's going to be anything crazy no one's going to really you know no one's going to throw up on you no one's going to ask you for a bottle no one's going to ask you for these things and so it's really regimented in a sense and so oh. i defaulted there mm. and you know, I thought I was doing it because well, I need to provide for my family. We have bills to pay. We have a house to maintain. We have groceries to buy. That's that's what I told myself at the time. But looking back, it was it was very much a subconscious decision to spend more time where I knew the rules and I knew how things worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see how I mean, and you shared quite candidly, which I appreciate your early years, how your father was really never in the picture. I think you mentioned he passed away when you were six months old. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that would be quite challenging because I know for me, you know, I'm 30 now, my father's been such a great influence in my life and you're there, father of three, I believe. No, yeah, now three. At that time, it was we were, we were on baby number two. Right, but like you mentioned, to not have that that default, that reference, would be would be quite challenging. There's multiple ways I, I feel like I could take this, but I would love to know 
at that time as well, like what was your mentality like towards the opposite of the things that you were doing? So you, you talk about sitting on the couch, eating junk food, fast food, not really being a very conversational husband and seemingly human, which is quite funny now that almost, you know, a bit over three years on, we're literally, you got a microphone, you have a podcast, like <laughs> you're the opposite of that. But what was that mentality like? And where do you think that came from? If it was outside of the, maybe the early childhood trauma or the things that you went through, because the environment around us can can shift and mold, which I'm sure you'd, you'd agree, but I'd love to know those things as well. Yeah, I wanted to just exist. I wanted what I what I thought of all the other stuff was that it was too much work, too much potential for conflict, just too much everything, you know, and then also that there's there's not enough time, you know, like, yeah, I, I could stand to lose some weight. I could stand to meal prep a little bit. I could stand to these things, but there's just not enough time. So I need to wait until, you know, and it's it's funny because I realize now that I had no no goalpost yet I was telling myself when I reach this level then I'll then I'll have time to do xyz things but that that level was never defined even at that time I had no definition for what that meant it was just like I just know it's not right now so I just need to keep working and then at some point I'll have time to figure out how to talk to my wife more and I'll figure out how to parent I'll figure out how to start losing weight I'll like I'll get all I'll get to all that when I get to some arbitrary non-existent undefined like you know, pie in the sky goal. Yeah. And then with, you know, with the parenting stuff, I, I avoid a lot of that because it was so frustrating to me. I couldn't figure out how to parent. I couldn't figure out how to discipline and guide. I couldn't figure that stuff out. I didn't, I didn't have a reference point for that. And so I, I tried to avoid it. It's like, well, let's see if to my wife, she seems really good at it. So let's let her handle it. And then with the, the conversation with my wife, they weren't happening because I knew they were going to end in some sort of conflict they were going to end with something that needed to be done, whether it was something that I needed to go physically do or some sort of like development. It was always going to be something like, well, if you, if you go read this book that I gave you, if you go, you know, spend more time with the kid, like, you know, there's always gonna be something to do some kind of conflict. So I avoided that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, when I thought of all that stuff that needed to be done was that it was, it was too hard. It was too out of reach. There wasn't enough time. It, it wasn't for me at that moment. I had to do this other stuff first. Yeah. Didn't want to do the hard work, eh? Yeah. That's essential. Well, because I didn't like I didn't have any defined any defined end game for it. And mm. so when you just look at hard work for the sake of hard work, I mean, I don't know any people that sign up for that. You know, like hard work just to do hard work, like why? Mm. You know, I'm just gonna if I can just avoid it and just keep getting through the day, I'm just gonna keep getting through the day. Yeah. That so was that was that was the mentality then. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. So then the, the mentality now, let's dig into that because the conversation with your wife, you mentioned she's maybe a more quiet woman. Then was it was it the pastor at your church that you had the conversation with? Uh, which, which conversation? I guess the conversation of them wanting to know your origin story, whatever whatever he or she dug into and, and really wanted oh, to. That would... Well, yeah, I got into that with my with my pastor somewhat. Yeah, it was the counselor. It was, counselor, it was a counselor sorry. that I well, actually my my wife found for me because she was like, "Here's some names," and I I called one of them, and he's like a cool guy, and 
shout out to Kyle if you're ever listening to this, Kyle. But he dug into that. So I I go to the counselor with like, hey, I have a lot of anxiety around work and it's causing conflict in other places in my life. How do I fix this? Yep. And so he's like, yeah, tell me about work. And oh, yeah, here's some techniques and grounding and breathing and da da da. da. And then he's like, so tell me about your life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't need to work, worry about all that, you know. But he really he dug in. He's like, no, like tell me what's going on, you know. And and we got into a lot of that stuff, you know, with the the stuff I'm sharing with you about my childhood, and even like when my son was born, my first son was born. My father-in-law, who was probably the closest thing to a to a dad, you know, he kind of took me in whenever I started dating his daughter, my now wife, and. He he brought me along on on trips they took, and he had me working on projects with him in the house, and he was showing me stuff, teaching me stuff. When when my son was born, he was born January twenty fifth. Three weeks before that, on January seventh, my father in law passed away. And so that was one thing we got into. It's like, man, I'm like, why am I all alone in this? Wow. You know, like you're talking about, you know, you're you're thirty and you have your dad around. Like I I was I was sitting there. Yeah, it'd probably been about thirty thirty one at that point. And I'm like, like, why do I have to do this by myself? You know, like, why does everybody else get the dads and the grandpas and all this? And I got to sit here by myself and I just got to figure it out. Like, why, why am I all alone in this? Mm. You know, but that was, that was a counselor that dug into that. That was a counselor that, that helped me dig into those, those more compartmentalized, you know, put away in a, in a dusty box in the back of your, your mind memories, you know, the well, what's your first, what's your first memory? Like that's that he was the one that got into those conversations. Cause, yeah. cause you know, I, I had, you know, we all, we all adapt and cope and I had my stories. I had my lines, you know, like, Oh, well, it must've been tough. Not having any dad. No, it's fine. I mean, I graduated top of my class and I went to college and I got a degree. Yeah. Everything's fine. What's the big deal. You know, I had those lines, but reality is, is it wasn't all that great. Yeah. I wasn't doing all that well. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you mentioned coping and, and survival before, which I very much agree with in terms of, you know, the human innate nature is to survive. But it's like, at what level? Are you trying to just get by or are you trying to flourish and have a higher level of existence in all areas of your life, whether that's familial, personal, with the groups that you, you share, these sorts of things. So it's interesting to hear you dig into that. And that point of reference as well, without having a father, sorry to hear that you lost your father-in-law three weeks before, that is, yeah, quite tragic. What was that like, even those first, I think you mentioned earlier, the first couple of years, you're saying, you know, it was, it was quite easy in terms of like just going through changing diapers like you're you have a small human there but it's it's early days has your has your mentality towards that shifted at all since baby number two maybe was similar but baby number three seemingly happened after this period where you've now taken on more responsibility curious to know yeah what the shift was i think with when when I had my my first my son my firstborn, uh, you know it, of course feel the frustrations right when your baby wakes up at at one and two and three and four and he was not a good sleeper he was up all the time he's still he's seven now and he still wakes up like every two seconds I think I don't know if that kid has ever slept a night in his life, <laughs> and I did notice myself starting to get frustrated in that in those early days and I and I you know, I thought about it, I prayed on it. And I, I, I came to the, I figured out, you know, like, how do we find gratitude in these moments? Because 
you can you can easily miss. I think this is so important for new dads. You can you can so easily create a regret just as easy as you can create a, a memory. Mm-hmm. And so I I was fortunate to to kind of figure that out early on and be like, yeah, so I can I can be up at 3 a.m. and be mad and be frustrated and be 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 angry at this little, you know, tiny little baby. Or I can find the gratitude in the moment, you know, like I get I get to do this. I get to be here. I feel like, though, as it went on, probably one and two are the same. Baby number three. I mean, we got lucky, man. He's a good sleeper. He, he's he been a good sleeper since the day he was born. But I feel as like as like I've grown as like my personal development has has grown. I feel like a lot of those things that I almost had to force. I had to force gratitude to legitimately like stop and think, you know, like, hey, be grateful for this. I feel like that's all more natural now. Mm. Like it's not, it's not a forced thought. It just is the thought. Yep. It's it. I almost, I almost think of it as like, I feel like I've changed a lot of my defaults. Mm. Those defaults that I got from growing up, my childhood, my upbringing, uh, people, all this stuff. I feel like I've changed some of those defaults. And so now it's more, it strikes me more when I have an upset moment. I'm like, Oh man, what am I? What's going on? Why am I why am I frustrated by this? Whereas it used to be the other way. It was like, okay, now how do I find gratitude in this moment? How do I be joyful? How do I be present? Right. I had to kind of force it, but I feel like now that's the default. That just is. And now the kind of the the rule versus the exception, right? Now those are, that's the rule. And the exception is like, man, I'm, why am I why am I why am I grumpy right now? Like, why am I being mean with the kids? Like, what's going on? Like, do I just need to take a minute. Do I need to take a like those are the more infrequent moments now. Yeah, so rich. That is that is why I dig for those moments. That thing you just said, like the the gratitude in the moment, getting to do this, but then changing the defaults. Bang on, dude. Thank you. So you mentioned having to force it initially, forcing the gratitude. Gratitude's a practice that I've done consistently for probably the last eighteen months. But before then I was probably similar. I mean, lived an incredibly fortunate life upbringing you know despite my parents getting divorced when I was quite quite young they both remarried so I like I've you know been raised in two homes but yeah very very blessed in a lot of ways but having gratitude even for the the smaller things and starting to be conscious of them like you said it can become these these new defaults the defaults that you had previously, which you've already touched on, which was like sitting on the couch, eating junk food, not being conversational as like three sort of high level ones. Yeah. Since speaking to that counselor, Kyle, shout out if he's listening. G'day, mate. Shout out, Kyle. And your wife. What's your wife's name? Lauren. Lauren. Super shout out to Lauren. Massive shout out to Lauren. Yeah. Massive Don't want to shout too loud in case she doesn't like that loud noise. <laughs> She's still- no, she tells me all the time I'm too loud. <laughs> I love that. Constant, constantly. But like these two people clearly had a big impact in changing those defaults for you. What did the defaults start to shift and what was it like forcing those? Because as I mentioned, you're now, you seemingly post almost every day, like what you're doing activity-wise. You mentioned doing a sprint distance triathlon, which is no small feat. My brother did one last year and yeah, he, he did great and... He was like, oh my God, I, I love that. But it was, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. So for someone you mentioned, I think being 320 pounds, which is around maybe for people listening who 
No kilos more. I think it's around one fifty thousand kilos or something. <laughs> Definitely not six thousand. Come on, man. I think it's like one hundred and fifty kilos. So you're a big dude, right? Yeah. Which you obviously acknowledge. But what was those those things that you had to force to now have all these other things be the default? Like this is just what I do each day. I take responsibility as the father. I go and do these things. Man, it it was. What really did it at first? It was it was force. Mm. It was determination. It was like I'm I'm not gonna get this this soda, this coke. I'm not gonna go to the drive thru. I'm not gonna do these things. And it was very intentional decision making in a sense of like, no, I'm gonna choose not to do this thing today. But there was a moment I was driving through. Um, we have we have a Popeyes here. It's a fried chicken fast food place. It's the best fried chicken you'll ever have in your life. Is it so, better than Chick Fil A? Oh, oh yeah. It's okay. well, yes, definitely yes. So I'm going through this Popeyes drive through, which is like a comfort food for me. I grew up with it. I, I mean, I've had way more Popeyes than any man should ever have in his life. Go through this Popeyes drive through. This was this was during a time where I'm like trying to be healthier, you know. But it was just like I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten. I, I don't have food ready. I'm just gonna go grab a you know a meal. And they hand me my food through the window. And they're like, oh, here's your little you know bag of fried chicken. Here's your giant you know two gallon Coke here, whatever. And something clicked for me in that moment. And I realized that I was, my actions weren't lining up with my words. You know, I was saying that I was committed to being better for my wife and my kids. I was going to, you know, serve God in a better way. I was, I was saying these things, but here I was going through the Popeye's drive-thru and getting a, you know, fried chicken and soda. And it, it clicked for me that what I was doing was choosing this over my kids. Mm. Now you put them next to each other and you're like, Hey, you got to pick one for the rest of your life. I'm obviously going to pick my kids, but it's kind of that same mentality with the, the fear versus purpose thing. I was, I was because it, there was no real decision to be made in that moment. I wasn't actually choosing one over the other, but if you zoom out and you really go long-term, I, you know, by doing this and impacting my health and, and, and impacting everything, energy levels and all that stuff, mood, everything, I'm choosing this like instant gratification, this instant pleasure mm. over this long-term purpose that I've, I've decided I'm pursuing, you know? And that was a huge key moment for me to kind of realize how important that was. And that was, that was part of figuring out the, the long-term vision, long-term plan for like building relationship and improving communication and doing all these things. And so Ever since then, man, it's been it's been easy to say no to all that stuff mm. because I'm focused on the on the end goal, you know. And so, yeah, this this starting this year, I went really hard on no soda, no alcohol. So, I mean, I've had sparkling waters close to the soda I've had this year. You know, I'm, I'm really limiting like fast food and fried foods. You know, I won't say I don't have any at all ever. Cause every now and then I'll go through and get a, a burger with no bun or whatever. And why not? You know, it's, it's, it's a little one here, or there, you know, it's 80, 20 rule. I'm doing really good. The significant majority of the time. So if we're on the road, we're on a trip and I got to get a McDonald's hamburger, like it's not going to be the end of the world, yeah. but it's, it's the consistency of always doing something every day to get me closer and closer to the goals that I have for my life, as opposed to just going through the motions but I don't know, man. At first it sucked. I mean, that's kind of the answer to your question. At first it sucked because it was a lot of willpower involved. It was a lot of 
constant thought behind it. It was a lot of constantness of like, okay, yeah, I know I want this, but I got to say no to it. One other thing that made a big difference this year, I started fasting this year, which, you know, I know is, is biblical and it's, I mean, everybody talks about it. I've never done it before, you know, because I mean, I, was, I didn't get to 350 pounds by fasting a whole lot, you know, <laughs> but I started fasting some this year and I would just do like a day here, a day there. I'd go 30 hours or something. And then I did a three day fast. I think I hit like 75 hours, something like that. Three day fast. And that was like, final nail on the coffin for the cravings and the food and all that. Cause like I've spent, you know, I'm, so I'm 34. You said earlier, I don't know how old I'm 34. So I've yeah. spent, you know, 30 plus years of my life, always eating, always grabbing food when I'm hungry, always getting the next soda, the next hamburger, the next fried chicken, always getting the next thing. And so to abstain from food to fast for those three days, it, I mean, First of all, the mental clarity is huge. Like that was awesome. You know, the but the the cravings and all that to it's almost like putting in reps on anything else, right? You get you get stronger. So like to be able to say that I'm gonna choose to do this for the next three days when nobody nobody cares. Like nobody would have cared if I cut it short and had lunch. Nobody would have cared if I only did, you know, sixty hours instead of seventy two. Like nobody would like nobody would care. Right. Like who would care? Who's going to be like, oh, man, you only fasted for two days instead of three days. Like like nobody cares. And I mean, I didn't even tell many people. It was kind of a personal thing. But yeah, it's it's a it's such a mindset game around everything, you know. So like this year, specifically since January 1st to today, I've lost about 50 pounds. I just I was just traveling for last week. So I'm, I'm like up a couple, but it all becomes irrelevant in the big picture, you know. But yeah, that that mental shift, like realizing how much control you have over your actions and how you really are the one that can set aside what you do. Nobody else controls what you do. Mm. It really is all down to you. That's what really kind of shifted it from being that really like taxing mental burden of like, okay, I have to say no to this thing to no, man, I'm I'm saying yes to the life I want. And this is what it this is what it looks like. Yeah, that, I love that. Taking ultimate responsibility is seemingly what underpinned that and and knowing that, yeah, you are the one to create that vision. I think it's really good, man. What is that end goal? I mean, I sometimes like to come to this toward the end, but you bring it up and I think having a vision and that end goal, whatever that looks like, that ultimate life that you're trying to create, it's important. So if you don't mind sharing that now and, and yeah, what that looks like, I don't think you had the podcast back then as well. So I feel like Men of Conviction, which is your podcast, I feel like that would be maybe something that's part of that. But yeah, could you could you speak to what I guess your your vision is now? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's I mean, it's multifaceted. It depends on what area of your life you're looking at. You know, I have a priority list. I've shared this on Twitter before. I'll share it a million more times, I'm sure. I have a priority list. God God, wife, kid, self. That's a priority list, you know, and and if there's a conflict in life, the person that wins is based on that list. You know, if my wife wants to leave the church and start going to some, you know, crazy other thing, like, no, like God wins, you know, no, we're going to go to church. If my, if my kids want to go behind mom's back and sneak something, it's like, no, no, mom wins. Right. So in those areas of life, so I feel like, and in, in the God one, it almost it almost feels it almost feels like conceited or arrogant. But 
I had a moment through this journey. I was talking to my pastor. We had a men's retreat. And I told him, I was like, man, all that stuff I've been sharing with you. I was like, it's, it's starting to all click. And he's like, well, tell me, tell me about it. And I, and I said, I spent my whole life asking why me? Like, why did, why did I get this life? Like, why did I draw this, this, this lot in life? Why me? And something clicked for me. And it was like, man, it doesn't matter why, right? We don't go back and change it. Like, you're not gonna get an answer. That's like, oh, that's why it doesn't, it's, it's a, it's a bad question. You know, it's a bad question. There's no dumb questions. That's a dumb question. But I started asking, well, what can I do with this? With this life I've been given, what can I do? You know, and we'll get more to the family stuff here in a second. But with regards to to God, I feel like that's where the podcast comes in. I feel like like God gave me this this life, these struggles, these challenges to build the the build whatever's needed to go share with other men. Because we all have all of our all of our lives, as unique as they look foundationally it's all the same we all face hardship we face struggle we face fear and anxiety we face these things and it's going to look different for one person for the next right like i've never dealt with parents getting divorced does that make my life easier or worse than yours i don't i don't it's just different yeah but whatever struggle that divorce caused for you whatever anxiety and fear and all those things that caused for you i've had those same issues with other it's other circumstances in my life, you know, and that's what everybody's dealing with. We're all dealing with the same things. They just look different for each of us. And so I feel like I'm supposed to go help all the Alex's of three years ago and four years ago and five years ago. Like, how did we get out of this hole? How do we get you out of this hole? You know, and that's why I started talking on Twitter, start just sharing it, just just letting it be known that you're not alone because I'm not arrogant to believe that I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. And so if I can share the things that I've struggled with and then overcame and come out of, maybe I can help somebody else do the same thing. And so that's where the the podcast comes in, Men of Conviction podcast. I started doing one-on-one coaching, you know, it, I mean, call it whatever you want, life coaching, men's coaching, personal. I don't, don't care what you call it, but the, the intent is to help men get out of that hole they're in. You know, mm-hmm. how do we start working towards the purpose we have as opposed to running from the fears we have? So that's where I feel like God's calling me to do. And if I, if I can keep doing those things, hopefully I fulfill that purpose as I feel has been placed in my life. The goal with my wife, the goal is communication. It's relationship. It's long-term commitment. You know, it's so how do we have the conversations around our budget and around our goals? And like, where do we want to live? What do we want our house to look like? Where, do we want to have a million acres and a bunch of ducks? Or do we want to have, you know, a beach house and, you know, a couple of lawn chairs? Like, what do we want our life to look like? And, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's fun and it's, 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 you know, it's fun and it's all, you know, dreaming to dream about all these things, but it's also being, being in the moment now, you know, how do we find joy in the now without being complacent and still working towards things that we, you know, we want to do with kids. It's all about relationship with my kids. Everything is about relationship with my kids and Somebody asked, told me this one time. They're like, imagine your kid coming home from school when they're 16 or 17 and you're, you're, you're in the house and they walk in the door. What do you want them to say to you? And I think that I was, I was on a path of just, well, we'll see what that looks like when they're 16 or 17, you know, but the relationship you want with your kids when they're 16, 17, 24, 34, that's the relationship you're building now. Mm. And so that's what I'm focused on with my kids is the relationship I'm building with them today is the relationship I want to have with them forever and i want my kids to always come always come home essentially you know like always know that dad dad's there for them and of course with parenting the big goal with the kids another big goal with kids is of course setting them up for success how do i create more opportunities for them how do i 
encourage them? How do I help them build their confidence, help them build their self-esteem? How do I empower them to be the best version of themselves and fulfill whatever calling God's put on their life? You know, cause I don't, I don't know what that's going to be. That's for them to figure out. So how do I enable them to figure that out? And then for myself personally, right now, the big goal is, is physical, it's fitness, it's health, you know? So the big goal for me right now is, is losing weight. It's getting more active. It's being more, more, more energetic, being more involved in something every single day. So like I'm training for triathlon. So I'm, you know, my big three are, you know, obviously the, the swim, bike and run. So every day I do one of those. I don't swim as much as I should because I don't like swimming, but I need to do more swimming. But like last night I was on the bike the night before I was running. Like tonight I'm going to go on a run again. So something, doing something every day to improve my physical fitness. And then of course, food wise, I mean, the weight loss really happens in the kitchen, you know, so focusing on the right foods, what am I eating? How much am I eating? Things like that. So those are kind of the big four areas of my life and, and kind of an idea of what I'm trying to go, where I'm trying to go with each of those. And how it looks in a day-to-day, of course, varies between the thing. But that's kind of what I always have in, in, in my mind when I'm waking up each day. Like, what can I do for these areas of my life? Of course. I think, and thank you for sharing all of that, mate. I appreciate it. I think it's it's important to have that. It probably will change again in some way, maybe in 12 months' time if we were to sit down again. It's like, cool, what's the, what's the vision now? And it might be a little bit different. But the fact that you've got something there, I think is the most important thing because a theme that you've touched on is, and it's kind of you to mention, yeah, maybe having divorced parents brings up, well, it certainly does. It brings up its own challenges, ones that you weren't, you know, able to, to, to witness but yeah I had challenges for sure but the idea that the one path there's no, there's no one path for for everyone it's all all different then lends itself to that but I would be interested to know did you ever have a vision when you were younger you know the classic thing people ask kids when they're you know little is what do you want to be when you grow up but did you ever have a vision Kind of. It's not a vision like being an astronaut or a, a fireman, but, you know, Hollywood gives us the idea that someone's going to come and save you, right? Because Hollywood's always built around the, the the hero story, the hero arc. Yeah. And so, when, you know, kind of along the lines of your question, like your earliest memory, like, I always thought that someone would come save me. And, and I never understood why no one was coming for me. You know, like, why didn't anybody see like my, my, my spot in life and be like, oh man, this kid needs the home. He needs mom and dad. He needs a stuff. Like, let me give that to him. Like, that's what I, that was, it, 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 it may not be the direction of the question you're asking, but that's what comes to mind is like that, that was the vision I had was like, when is someone to come and save me and give me all the things that I don't know, don't have, don't understand. Like, when is that, when is that going to happen for me? And that was a that was a big shift mentally too. It's like no one's coming, right? For for better or worse, no one's coming. Mm. You know, they they're they're not gonna no one's gonna come save you. And so I've I've said this before. It's like our if we put our if we put our life in a book, you know, we have all the different chapters. Well, the first few chapters aren't written by us. Like Rin, you and I didn't write the first few chapters of our life. We were we were brought into this world and we were, you know, put in a house and put with people and like we we were we were part of whatever's going on around us. We're part of the ecosystem. Well, at some point, you gotta you gotta decide you're gonna start writing that story. You're, you're gonna take over the rest of the the authorship of that book. 
you know? And so my vision used to be, when is someone going to come save me and, and write the rest of my story? And, and that, that vision has been long extinguished, you know, it was extinguished a long time ago, but um, I was able to revisit and be like, yeah, I, I get why, you know, five-year-old Alex would think that, <laughs> but you know, 34 year old Alex understands that he's got it. It's him. I'm the one that's going to save me, you know? Yeah. Love it, mate. No, I appreciate that. And you're right. No one is. It's something that I've heard more people speak about, whether it's on the podcast or in other spaces. But ultimately, I think what underpins that now common line of no one is coming to save you is the fact that you have to take responsibility. You can get motivation from lots of sources. You know, there's a lot of great books out there, guys like David Goggins, Jocko Willink, all these all these dudes, and there's women as well that are, are quite inspirational. But ultimately, if you don't turn that into action for yourself and have that vision and, and put that energy into the world yourself, you're not going to get anything back and it's taking responsibility it's it's choosing the the mineral water over the over the soda or over the alcohol it's it's exercising once a day you know or or making those streaks longer than when you when you don't go and even if it is like you mentioned before having the the meat from the burger you know as opposed to the whole bun with the with the sauces and, and all of the things that is an improvement so it's about just, I guess, realizing what that looks like for you and uh, and making those changes for the better, right? Yeah, there has to be, uh, it has to be grace in, in growth too. You know, we don't, we, we don't get to, we could, but it does, it's not helpful to fall off the horse and then throw in the towel. It's not helpful to be like, oh man, well, I had that soda, so I'm just done. I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. You know, it's not, it's not helpful to be so so binary in did i succeed or did i not succeed because when you zoom out it's we're in a marathon right we're not we're not running a sprint we got ideally a long long way to go and so you gotta yeah there has to be some grace in those things as you're as you're improving and working and, and making better decisions um but that's where that that end goal becomes so important because it's like well i slipped up today but what can i do tomorrow to still get towards that i think yeah, like you said i mean I, i've missed days i'm not i'm not perfect you know like one day i was I, just, I was like, man, I just didn't, I didn't work out yesterday. Like, not like I, I intentionally missed a workout or intentionally like overslept or like, I just didn't think about it. Like we just had a crazy day with kids and all that. And like, woke up the next morning. I was like, I didn't work out yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but it, it's, it's, there's grace there. You have to give yourself some grace. It just, it just is, you know, I was traveling last week. I missed a workout on, I think it was on Friday. I didn't do anything on Friday. Like there's gotta be some grace there, you know? And, and my, you know, the, the, like you said, the big goal I have is usually don't miss twice, you know, yeah. and I try to keep that, I try to keep that no missing streak as long as I can. But if I do miss, there's, there's grace there. It just, it just is. Life's going to keep moving. I, it, it, it didn't take me one day to be 30 pounds. So it's not going to take me one day to, to, you know, not be there or to be there again. It just, it, it just is. So there's some grace in that growth as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Where, where did that, idea come into your your ecosystem because i haven't heard too many people speak about that what part the grace like i i completely agree and you know i don't i don't beat myself up completely when i you know have have off days like i just went essentially 
four four days in a row without really hitting a workout outside of just going for long long works i know i was i was enjoying a long weekend and (laughs) but but that is okay because you know i'm going for walks and i'm doing things and i know that i'll i'll get back on it eventually but Mm. it's also then about okay maybe not going back fully to those negative habits that you had in the past that like you said over a long span of time caused maybe the the 350 pound alex it didn't happen in one day it didn't happen in one week doing going four days without a workout isn't going to make you not someone who can who can run and, and swim and ride for example but the grace that is a that is Nice. It sort of feels like a more flowy, and if you don't mind me saying, like a feminine energy, which I think we all we all have. It's fine to be the big masculine guy, but it feels like it's the the feminine side, which as men you can still have, you can still have some of that. But I'm curious to know where that where that came from. Was that you know, dare I say, an original thought? They're hard to come across these days. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, but no, it's it's great. Where do you think it came from? Be careful, man. We might get accused of plagiarism. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I won't, I won't take credit for original thought. I mean, cause I mean, grace is biblical, you know, God talks about grace. So it's not, it's not my idea, but applying it to, to personal growth. I think one big area. So I, I started the year, I made a big list. Like this year I'm going to do all these things, you know, these things I want to accomplish and, and uh, with fitness being a big focus, there was a lot of like, I'm going to go to the gym, you know, three days a week. I'm going to go do this with my, I'm going to go to the park with my kids this many days a week. I had these, these very specific goals that I was trying to hit. And I, and I was, I was doing pretty well at first, you know, I was going to the gym, I was taking my kids to the park after work, da, da, da. but when I missed, it was like, well, like, did I, if I failed, you know, like if I failed, like doing, doing this thing and especially with the gym, like I won't, you know, I'm, I'm really big on parenting. I really want to involve my kids and get an example for them. So like taking my kids to the daycare at the gym, it doesn't really count for me. Like it doesn't fulfill me in the sense that I want to show my kids how to be active, you know? And so, started working out more at home, started getting on the driveway, started doing laps up and down the block, started, you know, doing pushups and squats and started getting the dumbbells out. So my kids are outside playing while they watch dad work out. And so the grace partly came in there because it was like, yeah, I'm not going to the gym, but maybe that's where I failed in the past by being so rigid on, it has to be this way. And so changing the focus from like, it's not about the gym. Like who cares if I go to the gym or not? I'm trying to be healthier, trying to lose weight. So as long as those things are accomplished, does it matter if I went to the gym or I worked out in my driveway? It's irrelevant. And so Grace came in partly there. And then, you know, evaluating, you know, you talk to any big guy, they've all lost weight at some point. They've all lost 10 pounds and put on 20. They lost 20 and put on 50. It's a cycle, you know, I've done it myself. And so going back to previous weight loss journeys that have failed, it was like, what's the difference now? Well, it's because back then I would, you know, I had it all planned out. It was okay. Here's my breakfast for Monday and my lunch and my dinner. And here's all this stuff. And here's all the grocery lists and here's everything I need. And I'd get so, so specific that as soon as I missed a, even a snack or I missed a dinner, it was like, oh man, well now what's the point, but learning, learning to be more open, not open-minded, but just like more overview level you know thirty thousand foot level like what are we what are we working towards not that no one day makes that big of a difference you know and yeah even like you said like four days like what's four days like who cares 
you know yeah if you spend those four days like gorging on you know soda and, and chips like yeah, you might do some damage to your overall goals but you go on a walk instead of going for a run you go on a walk instead of going for a bike ride like who cares you know and so so finding that grace in knowing that i don't have to be so like dialed into this you know regimented plan of like specificness and knowing that as long as i'm doing movement as long as i'm choosing good food as long as i'm doing things to talk to my kids talk to my wife as long as i'm doing the the things that overall are getting me to, towards my goal, the specifics become slightly irrelevant. You're like training for a triathlon. Yeah, you got to get on the bike. You got to go for a run. You got to go swim. You got to do those things. But does it matter if I bike on Tuesday or Wednesday? Does it matter if I run on Monday or Thursday? And, you know, it becomes, it becomes almost irrelevant. So, yeah, giving some grace there on knowing that as long as you have the overall focus in mind and are working towards it, you're going to get there and you don't have to be so hard on yourself for mistakes. Cause we're, we're human. We make mistakes. We, we slip up, we forget, we, we get tired. We go to sleep early. We do these things. And so knowing that it's okay in those moments to give yourself grace for whatever it is that got in the way. Mm. I appreciate that, mate. I, I agree. I think it's important. I'm not sure if you've heard of 75 hard, for example, but that was something that I yeah. did in 2021 and like Andy talks about that being you know a very hard thing and if you if you do fail a step starting back at day one again and I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of truth and validity to that but the idea of grace being that okay don't slip back down the mountain you're making this progress you know even if it's like I said four days of not doing any big workout or, or run or ride or or swim but still just doing doing something, able to do something, I think it's important. So, yeah, I think it's a good message to share with people. Give yourself grace. Yeah, I, can, I can appreciate the rigidity of setting five hard. I, I haven't I haven't tried it. I can appreciate though, right? Like committing to something. I can understand the benefit and the thing there. But then, like you go on Twitter, like I don't know if you you're familiar with Boyd Boyd Myers, Mister Mister Iron Man. Like, it's like what if you what if you view every day as day one? Mm. You know, like. Yeah, you know, 75 hard is like, oh, you failed, go back to day one. Like, what if every day is day one? I mean, we don't we don't know how many days we get. I mean, what if you drop dead halfway through 75 hard? Did you fail? You know, like we don't know what tomorrow is gonna bring. And that was that's part of the grace thing too, is like we just don't know how much time we got. We don't know how many days we have on this earth. So to to think that like because I messed up today, you know, it's the end of the world. I mean, like tomorrow might not even come for me. I have no idea. Just doing the best I can with the time I got. You know, that of course, with intentionality and with purpose and with some focus, but yeah, with, with grace along the way. Love it, mate. Great point. And yes, I, I, I do know Boyd. I'd say well, but how well can you know someone who lives on the other side of the world? But I did have him on the podcast last year and it was him who was the catalyst for me coming to, to do Waco 70.3 yeah. last, last year. So met him in person. He's an absolute legend love him a lot yeah great guy that's awesome man i'll have to go i'll have to scroll down and find find that that podcast yeah i think it was episode 77 and then we also did i did a bunch of interviews at the finish line that was episode 102 and he was he was part of that he did oh, cool. a he did a bit at the at the start i interviewed him and another guy jared rainey who i'm going to have on the podcast sometime next month 
interviewed both of them as they were in the line about to get in the water. It was a quick couple oh, yeah. of minutes. Yeah, they were both, you know, nervous energy. It was great, palpable. So go listen to that if you anyone's keen listening. And then I also interviewed them both after the fact as well. They did the full Ironman on, on the Saturday and me and a bunch of other guys, DT, you might might know Daniel Taylor, mm-hmm. a few other guys, Mike Sudik. We all did uh, the 70.3 on the Sunday. It was one of the best weekends of my life. So to hear that you're going to go do Ironman Waco this year, dude, makes me... It makes me have a lot of yeah good memories of that time. So you're gonna love it, man. And you're also you know a Texas native. So uh, how good? How far is Houston to to Waco? It's a couple of hours. Uh, right? A couple of hours. Yeah, two three hours. Something yeah, like that. perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it's such a cool way to see it coming from Australia. So yeah, let's let's chat a little bit about triathlon because it's something that I'm. I love, I'm, I'm building towards one in a couple of months here, Sunshine Coast in Australia, uh, another 70.3. And then I'm, I'm planning to do Ironman Florida in November oh, okay. with, uh, with a few guys that are also on Twitter. But, you know, you mentioned swimming. It's the full Ironman, isn't it? That's the full. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done a full one yet. So I'm planning to do that. There There's go. guys like Ryan Dreyer, my coach, Tribal Training. He's got a bunch of guys, Mike Donatelli, Adam Sakora. I think Zach Hommel's getting involved again. There's a few guys. I'm trying to get Mike Sudik involved, Daniel Taylor. Don't know if uh, Boyd's coming to that one, but it's it's like the community. It's It's people doing hard things. And, yeah, it's unreal. and having something on the calendar to work towards, I think is so underrated and knowing that there's other people there. Another guy that I should mention, Louis Rivolo, he's on, he's on Twitter oh, yeah. as well. You know, I haven't met Louis in person, but I had a great conversation with him last year, which led to me reaching out to Ryan. I remember swimming four kilometers, which is like two and a half miles maybe when I was training for that 70.3 and as soon as I touched the wall of a 50 meter lap pool, so lap one or like length one of 80, Uh that number came into my mind. I've got to do that 79 more times. (laughs) And that was like so hard because like you, bro, I'm not a, like, I'm not a great swimmer. I don't love swimming, but it's the first part. It's like the ticket to the race. It's like the entry. If you can't get through that swim, well, you're not getting on the bike. You're done. Yeah. You're done. But I remember thinking I can't let Louis down and, and Ryan as well, my coach. I was just like, I've got to do this swim for them. And it was a Friday night, you know, in like August, which is pretty cold here in Australia. And I'm like, I've got to get through this swim. And that is what got me through. So I think, yeah, whatever sport you do, whatever discipline you're doing, it's, I think, important to have teammates in that realm. So that's what it is for me. But what, is, what does triathlons look like for you and... And what have you gained from it so far? You've already done a sprint building towards this uh, this big 70.3 in October. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to go. We're going to see what happens. Come on, yeah, man. I, two, I love it. Two, I did two sprints last year. I'm going to do one of those sprints again uh, like the month before the 70.3. Nice. For me, it was about the it was the the challenge. That's that's what it came down to for me. So when I got on, I got, I got on Twitter, I was just scrolling and like, I've been on Twitter for a long time. If you go to my account, it's been there since like 2010 or something or 2011. Like I've had a Twitter account for a long time, but I've never actively used it. So I guess it's been about a year now, maybe a year and a half. I was like, well, Twitter's in the news because of Elon and all this stuff. And I was like, let me check it out. So I get on there and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I felt, I got into like this world, right? With 
with the Zacks and the Boyds and the the DTs and all these guys. And I was like, oh man, there's like legit people. There's like stuff going on on Twitter, right? And so I go through, I unfollowed all the the garbage, the news and the the anchors and all the celebrities, unfollowed all them and started following the 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 guys like that, you know. And Boyd kept popping up in my feed because he was, I guess that was by the time he was he was going for Waco. So he's talking about talking about triathlons a lot. And so I go read a story about how, you know, he he lost like a hundred pounds or 80 pounds, whatever it was, and and ran an Iron Man in a year. And for me, you know, a lot of stuff we've been talking about is a lot of mental growth. You know, it's a lot of like my journey's been when significantly heavy on the mental growth, you know, the the mental strength and, and personal development in that sense. So for me, the physical stuff came after. Like one day I woke up and looked in the mirror and I was like, man, what happened? Like I hadn't stepped on a scale in a long time. And I, I guess I hadn't been looking in the mirror either. Like one day I look in the mirror and I was like, man, this doesn't, this doesn't line up. Same thing when I talked about the drive-thru, right? Like this doesn't line up. So I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, this doesn't line up. Like the person I want to be, this this person in the mirror doesn't line up with that. So I'm reading Boyd stuff and I go read a story about running the Iron Man in 12 months and I've never considered running a triathlon. I mean, like that sounds nuts. You're going to go do three events, like three different sports. I mean, they're all individual sports people do for fun. I'm going to do all three of them. Like, no way. Read his story. And I was like, tell my wife, Hey, I'm going to run a triathlon. It's in like, like three months. I think at that time it was like three or four months. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, Ren, like this is before any weight loss has occurred. So I'm still like 340, 350. I'm a big guy. Wow. I haven't I haven't swam in probably a decade, like in any sort of, you know, actual lap sense, more than just like floating around in the pool. I haven't run in a long time. I I mean, my bike was like five years old and I rode it twice. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm telling my wife, I want to run a triathlon. And she's like, you're going to do what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So, okay. And so I registered and I started riding my bike. I started, I mean, I was walking at that time. I mean, when you're that big, you can't run a whole lot. So I was doing a lot of walking. Do a lot of walking, ride my bike, and I started swimming. And I always remember because oh, I hope I always remember my bike broke. It was like a cheap, cheap one from the you know sporting goods store. I bought it for like 50 bucks, something like that. So I would when I go somewhere and ride, I always just ride away from my truck. You know, I just like go out as far as I want to go or halfway and then I turn around. Well, I'm like four miles from my truck and the pedal just snaps off, <sighs> just right off, you know, the the bike. And I was like, well, this sucks, you know. So I I I walk my bike back, you know, four miles to the truck. And I go home and I tell my wife, and it, you know, we talk about it, it's always hard at first. Mm. And so I go home and I'm like, hey, honey, my, my my bike broke. I guess I'm done with the triathlon thing. That was probably a crazy idea anyway. And she was like, what? What are you talking about? You're done. I was like, yeah, my bike broke, and like, I don't really want to deal with buying a new one. They're really expensive. You know, bikes have been like crazy expensive since COVID happened. You know, so I'm like, I don't want to deal with buying a new one and. It's just it's it's fine. That was probably too much of a stretch anyway. She she looks, she's like, You're not you're not dropping out of this thing. <laughs> she's like, We're gonna find you a bike. She's like, There are two cents of the store, we'll go online, we're gonna find you a bike. And I was like, No, it's like a lot of stuff going on, you know? And like I still gotta get shorts and do this. She's like, We're you're doing this. Like you said you're doing it, and if the only thing stopping you is the bike, we're gonna get you a bike. And so I mean, I did, I did the work. I went and found a bike and I, I bought one on, on Facebook marketplace, for like 200 bucks, a road bike. I upgraded from mountain bike to road bikes. So I was, the biking was a lot better. Started and I, I just kept going after it, man. And it really was just that physical challenge of like, if I set this goal, can I achieve it? 
And, and I'll tell you, Ren, like, I mean, you can go look it up. It's they, they post all the results, right? I was dead last. Like both those sprints I ran last year, the, the, I ran two, they, I was dead last in both of them. Like the, the organizer like comes over like, Hey man, you okay. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I mean, y'all going to shut down, shut down. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to finish this course, you know? And like, I think the first one I finished just over two hours, like two, two fifteen or something like that, you know, where like the fastest guy finishes in like 15 minutes or whatever crazy, crazy nonsense those guys do. So it's, you know, a big gap, but it didn't matter to me because it wasn't about, it wasn't about how I do in the race. It was about, can I do this thing that was so out of reach just a few months ago, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what got me there. But when, I mean, you know, so when you get into that triathlon environment, those people, I mean, those are like the ultimate hype, hype men, you know, (laughs) like, I don't care what part of the course you're on. I don't care if they know you or don't know you. That energy is, is unmatched as far as I'm concerned. And so that's what that's what's got me like hooked. I'm like, man, if I can keep doing this, keep improving physically and get to be part of that, like, let's go. That's it, brother. It's not about coming first, coming 10th out of 100 or coming last. It's about getting there and the journey to get there. And I think if you put in the work, you know, for you between now and, and Waco, which is about three and a half months, the day is so enjoyable like, don't get me wrong. There was a moment when I was on that run, that half marathon, I was maybe at like mile eight of 13 and my foot was killing me, like my big toe. And there was just a pain every step, like right yeah. underneath the big toe in the ball of my foot. And I remember saying to myself, like, this is where the race begins. And what I mean by that is like, that's where I stopped having all of the fun And that's when I really had to just be like, okay, this is now. And that will happen with everyone at at different points. And I was pushing it. Don't get me wrong. I I wanted to have a certain time that I was aiming for, like be under. But it was enjoyable because I'd done the work. And so the fact that you say you you finished last, well, that's of the people who who had the balls, had the courage to sign up and, and do it, right? And there would be many people that, wouldn't have even bothered for many reasons but the fact that you did and you went through dude i think that's i think that's what counts and then you know you'll you'll have hopefully one of the best weekends of your life in waco a lot of fun yeah i'm looking forward to it the the kind of extra cool part is you know my my wife brought the kids out there and they watched you know both those races they were there when i finished and everything like that and you know my i'm i i don't talk about losing weight with my kids Cause that's not, that's not, I'm not trying to teach them how to lose weight. I'm just showing them how to be active. So everything I talk about with them is about, you know, Hey, yeah, you choose, you choose these foods to give you more energy. This is, this is fuel for your body. And, you know, we talk about those things and like you exercise so that you're, you're more capable of running. You can go play with your friends. You can do right. We talk about in those aspects. And so they see dad working out. Dad's not trying to lose weight in their eyes. At least Mm -hmm. I'm not telling them that dad's trying to have more energy to go run with them. Dad's trying to do these things for them. So with the triathlons, my, my son, my seven-year-old, he asked me recently, he was like, dad, are you running another race? I'm like, yeah, I told you I'm running, you know, this race in, in, in October. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, dad, when you ran that last race, did you finish last? I was like, yeah, I sure did. He's like, well, why do you want to run a race if you finish last, dad? And it was, it was an interesting conversation. Cause I get to explain to him, you know, like the basically the same things you just, you just said that, you know, like are true, absolutely true. Like that's what it was about. And I get to explain that to him, you know, it's like, Hey son, it's not a, like, yeah could i try to be first absolutely you know and could that be a could that be a a good goal and a good thing to work for yeah absolutely but where i'm at 
I'm working to get, you know, better at these things and to be faster. I'm just trying to work to be able to do this stuff. So that that's my accomplishments. I got to show them like, you got to figure out what you're working towards mm. and plug that in. There's no, there's no right or wrong. There's no, like, that's enough or not enough. It's just like, what are you working towards? I get to show that to him. It's a really cool experience to get to show him that because he's going to come out there to Waco and that'll probably finish close to the back of the pack there too. If not, if not last, you know, like, but it's, that's, it's, I got no issue with that, Mm. but he gets to see that all the work that I've been doing goes towards this, this thing, you know, towards this, this challenge. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true, man. And the only way that you could possibly ever finish first or on the podium is by putting yourself in the arena and risking being last, right? And yeah. you're, 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 you're last of the people who finished. There's people who didn't, right. who didn't finish, people who pull out of the water, which is also okay because they committed and they jumped in and whatever happens on the day happens. But it's, it's putting yourself in the arena and ultimately you might feel a bit of ego hit and there's all these things in, in movies over the years. If you're not first, you're last. That, that line comes to mind. <laughs> I think that's Will Ferrell or I can't remember the other dude's name, but Talladega Nights. I yeah, think, I think that the, movie. It's Talladega Nights. It's either him or John C. Riley. John guess. C. Riley, yeah, I think, not, says it. Yeah, first, you're last. Exactly. Like, hilarious line. But like not not very true in in day to day life, obviously, because yeah. then there's there's no point in doing fucking anything. <laughs> like Joe Rogan's on episode, he, I think he just cracked last week, episode two thousand, right? Well, what's the point of me doing this? Like, but that's stupid because this has been a great conversation, and no doubt people listening will have gotten a lot of value. I know I have. So it sort of brings me nicely to a few closing questions, but one thing I do want to come back to, and you mentioned, you know, you, you're, I think it was his son asking you that question. Why would you want to come last? I, I appreciate you sharing that. But one thing that you mentioned before in what do you want them to say to you when they come home at the age of 16 or 17? What, what ideally would you like that relationship with them to be like? What do you want them to be saying to you when they come home from, from high school on that day? I want what what I envision when I think about that. I want them to talk to me. I want them to tell me about their day, right? We we end the day now with you know we we do a a, a prayer at the end of the day. We're like, what are you thankful for? What went well? And I ask them too, like, what do you wish went went better today? What do you wish went differently? You know, we have these conversations, and so I just want them to talk to me. I want to I want to have conversation with them. I want to know what's what's going on in their life, what they're feeling, what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with. I just, I just want to know those things about them. So that's where. I don't know what those words will look like when they come home at 16 or 17, but I just want there to be words there. Mm. You know, I want there to be more than just a, a grunt in the hallway or uh, you know, Hey, you know, my, my seven year old, I don't know where he picked it up. He already says, bro. I'll be like, Hey, you need to go do this, bro. I'm like, kid, get out of here. So what I want them to say specifically, I don't know, but I just want them to talk to me. I want to have a relationship with them. I want to know what's going on in their life. I want to be, I want to be a part of that with them, you know? Beautiful, mate. I'm sure it'll happen, especially with that intention there and the actions that you're putting in, especially in front of them. It's uh, it's great to see. So thank you. Thank you for all that you've shared. One way I like to end this podcast, which you'd know having listened to a couple of episodes that you mentioned at the start, is those inspirational ones that I looked to when I wanted to start my own. Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, a few others. But they would ask the, the question to their high-profile guest, maybe the person who's winning all the races, what advice would you give to your younger self? But I thought, well, what would that look like? What would that question be? 
if I pose it to, what would that answer be rather if I pose it to the everyday person? So I would love to know for you, Alex, and you're 34, so a few years older than me, and we could do both ways for this, but I would love to know what advice you'd like to give to that five-year-old boy, but also what advice you'd maybe give to your 65, 64-year-old self in 30 years' time. Yeah, man, if we, if, if I could go back and talk to a uh, little five-year-old Alex, what would I tell him? I've thought about this a lot. I don't, I don't know that I've ever settled on a great, a great answer or, you know, what I feel would be a great answer, but I think I would just tell him that there's, there's hope for whatever future you want. You're going to, you're going to have more control over creating the life you want than you may believe. And you're capable of more that you may give yourself credit for, you know, and, and for five-year-old Alex, it's, it's, you know, with the little disclaimer, like you may not feel this for a while, but at some point you're going to, you're going to be aware of what you feel are, feel are limitations and you gotta, you gotta keep pushing through them and you gotta keep designing the life you want. Love that, mate. So rich. Thank you. And anything to, to 65-year-old self, if you could Man, project. 65-year-old self, uh, it almost be more of a it almost be more of a question to sixty five year old self, you know. But um, yeah, I guess let's let's just let's go that route. I mean, I'd like to talk to sixty five year old Alex to just ask him, you know, like, did we do it? Did we do it? Yeah. Or how how did we do? You know. Yeah. How did it go? Love it, mate. Well, I'm looking forward to to seeing how it goes especially Waco in a few months' time, but in a bigger vision over the next year, five years, 10 years, whatever that looks like. So, mate, I appreciate all that you've shared today. Could you let people know where they can get in touch with you? I'll be sure to put all the links in the show notes, but I mentioned we didn't really get to talk too much about it, but your own podcast, Men of Conviction, I'll definitely link that. But yeah, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, podcast is on on YouTube, Men of Conviction podcast, and it's also on all the 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 podcast platforms. And then for myself, you can find me on on Twitter or Instagram at at the Alex Barrera. I think if you go to thealexbarrera.com, it'll take you to my Twitter as well. But that's where I'm at. I mean, if you send a DM through Twitter or Instagram, I mean that's I don't have I don't have staff. It's me answering. So um, that's where you, that's where anybody can find me. Great stuff, mate. Before we go, is there any final thoughts or anything that you might like to share that I maybe haven't prompted with a question? I think we I think we got through a lot of a lot of stuff, right? I mean, maybe almost like in summary, you know, I think just uh, just chase after your purpose, chase after your passion, you know, and, and know that same that same way as five year old Alex, you know, know that you're capable of more than you give yourself credit for. Love it, mate. We'll end it there, brother. Keep creating. All the best, eh? Appreciate it, man. And there it is, another episode of the Hope Initiative. Thank you again to Alex for taking time and sharing all that you did, mate. I really appreciate it. You've certainly had some experiences in your life and keep on going. So well done to you and best of luck with Iron Man Waco. I look forward to tracking you on the day, seeing how you go and hopefully meeting you either in Florida later this year or at some point, no doubt. As always, I really appreciate you listening. So if you'd like to share this episode with someone who you think will benefit from it, 
that would mean the world. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review. And as always, keep creating your life and all the very best.